Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Two Weird Hungry Girls podcast. I'm Phoebe, and this is an on-the-road episode. And I'm sorry, Tracy, that you weren't here for this episode as well, but I'm here at Lancaster Central Market up in the mezzanine. Mm-hmm. And I'm with John Art. And John works with Oasis at Bird in Hand. And John, how long have you been with Oasis? I guess you'd be my first I've question. I've been working for Oasis uh, about three years. And Oasis has been a company for just over four. Young company, yes, but growing quickly. Yes, because you started out in a small stand here at Market. Yes. So, yeah, so Oasis is a larger company uh, than even just the central market stands. We're actually, the bulk of our business is uh, wholesale uh, to small retailers throughout southeast pennsylvania as well as uh, dc new york baltimore uh, and then the central market stands other than where we actually produce the products is our one retail location wow i didn't know that so you're actually like selling outside of oh yes that would be the majority of our business yes and what do most most people buy when they're buying wholesale at cheeses so we have three core product lines Mm -hmm. produce dairy and meat uh, and it would depend on the customer, whether or not they are a hotel or a health food store. Um, you know, the health food stores might carry more like packaged dairy products. And if they're a small grocery, they might get more fresh produce. Uh, restaurants might get more meat and dairy. Uh, wow. So it really depends on the customer. I had no idea. I mean, all of these um, mm-hmm. years I've been coming to market and I used to always see the corner booth. Yes. By what is now the information booth. Yes. And you always had cheeses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a tiny dairy stand. And that's how we started at Central Market. Okay. Uh, we expanded in that back corner um, and were able to bring in more of our product, expand the dairy offering. Uh, we then relocated one year ago and then just three months ago opened a new produce stand. So we've been doing produce for a while. Um, but people at Market were surprised to see that we also yeah. do produce. Uh, yeah. They didn't know we were a larger business. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that most people then know you because of the raw milk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so that takes up most of the dairy case? Raw milk is what we display most prominently, and right. it is the product uh, that we sell the most of. Mm-hmm. That might be because people who are initiated into the benefits of grass-fed organic milk have also come on to the idea of raw milk as being more beneficial. Um, I'm not sure why it's the most popular, but it is. So tell me a little bit about raw milk, because when I first heard about it years Mm -hmm. ago, it's, and you, even to see it in the newspaper now, it's still very controversial. Like some people say it's something you should never touch. Mm -hmm. And some people are very um, committed Mm -hmm. to drinking it for the health benefits. Yes. And you can also, you can buy um, raw milk in, can you buy goat, sheep, and cow or... You can buy raw milk um, in any of those forums, mm-hmm. uh, either goat, sheep, or cow. We used to carry goat and sheep milk. We no longer do. We're just focused on, on our own product now, which is uh, cow's milk dairy okay. products. So give me the scoop on like what is the upside of raw milk. So raw milk, as you say, is this controversial food, and I get lots of questions at the stand about this. Um, You see lots of sad stories in the news about all sorts of food, yet for some reason raw milk has been sort of pinpointed as particularly scary to people, even though uh, it's actually, if you look at the statistics of how many people are being, you know, caught up in these like food, um, contaminated and tainted food uh, recalls and problems throughout America, raw milk is near the bottom of that list. It's it's always something like... It's usually ground meat or spinach that's or true. peanut butter or something that's being made in one right. of these major super sterile factories. Yeah. Um, it's rarely dairy products. It's actually rarely milk. And so raw milk gets this bad rep. Um, but what we do, so just to give you a background on how we process raw milk. 
to maybe relieve some of the anxiety in, in your listeners. So there's very strict handling procedures for raw milk. In the state of Pennsylvania, we are required to adhere to a higher standard than your average dairy because we're doing this raw product. We're uh, certified by the state to sell raw milk uh, as a retail stand, as well as within the state of Pennsylvania to any of our customers. We cannot ship it over state lines. One of the things that we do to protect uh, our customers is do bacteria testing on all of our dairy products to make sure that each batch is being um, handled properly. We have a state-of-the-art tracking system. So, you know, one threat might be, oh, some piece of machinery goes down. Well, that's very unlikely to happen because we have alarms set off. So if something is not functioning properly at the dairy, we know about it immediately. So you really, it's it's an ancient food that is now meeting high technology to be handled properly. Interesting. So when people hear like E. coli or... Mm or recalls because of spinach or your salad mixes, usually that happens more often than issues with raw milk. Yes. Yeah, if you look at the statistics for recalls due to food, and, you know, that may just be because raw milk is kind of hard to find in America, and so it doesn't, you know, it's obviously not as widely available as these other products, but raw milk is on the whole a much safer product. One thing that's really interesting about raw milk is that it is a living food, so it's a whole, it is a living uh, host for organisms such as little bacteria and enzymes that are helpful for digestion. Oh. Um, but raw milk can actually decontaminate itself. If you have pasteurized milk and it is tainted, it is a dead food. It is just all it is is a it's uh, a ground for harmful pathogens to grow. Um, but I have read some research that raw milk actually, because there are healthy bacteria in there, just like your own body, if it's in a good your own oh. immune system is in a good state, yeah. the milk is actually. Uh, safer to drink if there is if something does go wrong and mm-hmm. it is contaminated. Yeah. So is that is that kind of one of the reasons why raw milk is so popular with people? Is that one of the health benefits? I think the well that would just be you know in the in the off chance that something does go wrong. The, the ideal would be that you know that's yeah. not an issue with milk. But I think raw milk is particularly appealing to people right now because people in America are suffering from serious digestion issues. Uh, it's. I'm, we all know somebody that has some sort of chronic digestive issue, is on some sort of restricted or specialized diet, and typically dairy is one of the first things to go out of somebody's diet mm-hmm. because it is most often the thing that gives people immediate indigestion. Yes. And I have so many customers that uh, pass by the stand and say, "Oh, I just I don't drink milk. I can't handle milk. You know, I have kids; they don't drink milk." And uh, so, why is this? Why is this the case? And the truth is, it's difficult to digest anything if your gut does not have the pop- proper bacteria composition as well as enzymes uh, to actually break down your food. And if you're not breaking down your food properly, it's going through your belly very slowly. It's fermenting. It's causing gas buildup. It's very painful and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's what. And that's really all it is. So the thing with raw milk is that when you heat milk, pasteurized milk, which is how you know 99.9% of the milk in America is pasteurized milk. Uh, they're heating milk to high temperatures and removing all of the bacteria and breaking down any of the enzymes that were in that milk that would allow your body to naturally digest it. So if you're not blessed with a gut that has enzymes and bacteria present in it, raw, uh, any sort of dairy product is just going to upset it. Raw milk has those enzymes and has some of those bacteria in it so that you are then equipping your gut to actually more efficiently break down that product. Even if you don't, I only drink raw milk. Even if you do have, don't have issues with dairy, I can consume other dairy products just fine. But I still choose raw milk because I 
I'm able to extract more nutrition out of my food and digest it more easily if I have access to those yeah. enzymes. I never knew that. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that like you can, uh, like papaya has natural enzymes, mm-hmm. right, or something, but this is like takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, this is just a particular enzyme, a lactase, that breaks down the, the sugar, lactose. And there's loads of reasons why people might be intolerant to milk. You might have a legitimate uh, allergy to one component of the milk. Some people have casein allergies. Some people lack the enzyme to break down uh, the lactase, mm-hmm. uh, the lactose, rather. Mm-hmm. And so I have had multiple, multiple customers who have said, I can't drink milk. And we send them home with a little pint of raw milk and say, try this and see what happens. And... Sure enough, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Some some people are going yeah. to have allergies, but we have had plenty of customers who come back and say, wow, I can actually drink this milk. So because they're trying something that they've never had before, you are finding like you're, you're, you have committed customers We've actually, who are yeah. actually healthier. Who are healthier because of it. Yeah, yeah. we've had uh, several customers in the past who have had children who have had a hard time putting weight on and oh. who are anemic and had a hard time getting as much nutrition as they needed in their daily diet and if that is an issue for you one of the first places you want to look is grass-fed dairy products yes so that's interesting Mm because now you're saying the word grass-fed yes so when you see on a label um grass-fed or organic Mm -hmm. what does that mean for milks because we want to talk about cheeses too but yeah tell me a little bit about that food labeling particularly dairy labeling it's more complex than i wish it had to be but if you are really interested in consuming quality dairy products, you have to ask yourself uh, at least three, maybe four questions about this product. There's a lot of food labeling terminology that might lead you to think, wow, this milk is a no-brainer. This must right. be just good milk for me. It says organic on it. Or it says, you know, it's farm fresh and local from a, you know, a local trusted dairy. Yeah. Um, the, those those things might you know those are good things. I I want milk to be organic and farm uh, you know farm fresh as well. But there really are specific questions you have to ask to know if is this milk going to be nutritious and digestible and good for the planet as well as myself. Mm-hmm. So the first question I ask is, what are the cows eating? Oh, okay. You can have organic milk from cows that are confinement fed uh, and and a diet entirely of grain, right. corn, and soy. Cows are ruminant animals. They are uh, designed by nature and by the breeding process through over the years to eat grass, grass, and only grass. Cows that are being fed small amounts of grain, you know, some people will argue, oh, you should finish with grain for beef and these various things, and there's lots of science and debate on that. My preference and the preference of Oasis for dairy products is 100% grass-fed cows. So you might say, okay, grass-fed, that term should be easy. Well... It gets a little more complex. If you see the word grass-fed on a dairy product, you should then ask, is that 100% grass-fed? The way oh. labeling in the United States works is you can label grass-fed and only feed grass to your cows uh, something like 140 days of the year. It doesn't mean that the cows are out on pasture, under the sunshine, eating grass, and in the winter they should be getting hay. Mm-hmm. Um those cows that are grass-fed could still be getting a lot of grain in their diet. Does that contribute to the grain? Does that contribute to, like, gluten things or gluten issues then in the milk? Yeah, there sh- you shouldn't have gluten issues with your milk because cows are generally not getting wheat. Um, and so that shouldn't be too much of an okay. issue. Milk is generally, yeah, a gluten-free product. But it's still, if they're eating, um, 
less grass mm -hmm. and they're eating more grain, they're eating something that their body essentially... Does not naturally digest very well. The health of the cow diminishes, the health and nutritious qualities of the milk no. diminish. And so we recently visited uh, a farmer who we work with. Um, he, we, he showed us how to make cultured butter. His name is Jonathan White. And we visited his farm called Bobolink in New Jersey. And he has cows there that uh, are older than I am. And I just had my 30th birthday recently. Get out. <laughs> the average lifespan oh. of a dairy cow in America is oh. uh, it's, it's definitely under five years. I don't know the really? exact number, but it's definitely under five years. Yeah. yeah, It's just a quick turnover of these poor animals because they're kept in confinement. They're given antibiotics to keep them alive. They're fed piles of grain and other like industrial byproducts like you know the baking industry and the orange juice industry have loads yeah. of orange cake peel and old pound cake let's just dump that oh. in their troughs and let them eat that as well hmm. so we visited these cows that had been living on grass uh entirely on grass out on pasture and there was this one cow that he called like you know granny cow that was blind in both eyes but was still just you know they're trotting along with calves behind her and leading yeah. leading calves from uh, you know, pasture to pasture and had her role mm -hmm. on the farm. And you just think, wow, these animals can have a long, you know, lifespan and contribute a lot to a farm. They don't just need to be um, cogs in an industrial system. Yes. You know, they can be part of an ecosystem if they are fed properly. Interesting. Yeah. So I didn't know that a, a cow like, conventionally would live only five years on average, maybe. Yeah. And versus... if you look at, yeah, I mean, well, the idea is you just have to get them to production yeah. as fast as you possibly can. And so the beef cattle... They are, you know, being raised from calves to, you know, production weight in probably under two years. Uh, and then the dairy cattle, they are just confined so tightly, um, living, you know, up to their knees in their own excrement and being yeah. fed. Imagine if, you know, this was our situation. Imagine if you were confined with other human beings up to your knees in excrement and fed a diet of, like, you know, Skittles and hot yeah. dogs, you know. For, and fruit loops. Yeah, yeah, Skittles and corn dogs, uh -huh. like, for your entire life. Yeah. Uh, you would not live very long. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. So that's one of the questions of the four um, is yeah. package labeling. Yes. Like, be aware of package labeling and yeah. grass-fed. Yeah. So, like, the, yeah, the first question mean? when I'm looking at a label is, what do the cows eat? So, does it say grass-fed? Does it say 100% grass-fed is best? And that's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. My second question is, I'm looking for the word organic preferably certified organic and that is just letting me know that the milk that the feed that the cows are getting has not been uh, sprayed with any harmful synthetic pesticides and that the cows are not being uh, injected or fed antibiotics mm -hmm. uh, and that the feed is not genetically modified so organic should ideally and again we're in a new world of food labeling and people will debate you know what are the margins of this word but uh organic should mean it's there's no genetically modified crops there's no harmful pesticides and there's no antibiotics so the first question is you know what's in the milk what are they eating and the second question is did you spray any weird poison on this milk yeah. before i'm going to eat it mm -hmm. that, that would also be a no-no mm -hmm. for me um and then my third question is about pasteurization okay um is this milk pasteurized and if so how heavily pasteurized is it so we sell raw milk. Uh, that means it's not pasteurized at all. But we also sell pasteurized milk, and the rest of our dairy products are pasteurized. So raw milk oh. and raw aged cheeses are the only products that we sell raw. You most certainly can make raw yogurt and cream and cottage cheese. The state of Pennsylvania does not allow that, unless you sell directly from the farm. And we do not. We're a bigger business. Mm -hmm. And so we do pasteurize these products. 
However, our pasteurization process is known as vat pasteurization. Like as V-A-T? V-A-T, as in you put the milk in a big vat, and you heat it up to 145 degrees Fahrenheit and hold it there for about a half hour and then chill it. It's a very gentle way of doing pasteurization. It really maintains as much of the integrity for the uh, enzymes and bacteria as you can in the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, there, this is not how the vast majority of milk in America is pasteurized. Most of it is pasteurized using a high heat, high pressure method that will very quickly, you know, everything has to be done on an industrial scale um, and very quickly. And so it'll be three seconds perhaps between like two hot scalding plates or forced through a hot scalding tube, 200 plus degrees, essentially nuking everything in that milk, good, bad, or otherwise. So, and this is the general trend in American food consumption is everything is done on an industrial level. And so everything is, has to be sterilized. And so you're getting sterile food, fine, and then you're getting a sterile belly. And your belly is not supposed to be a sterile environment. Right. It's supposed to have be teeming with bacteria. And so when you're producing food on this mass scale and you're trying to heat and pasteurize everything to death, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get dead food. And that is why the slogan of Oasis is real live food. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay, I have two questions. The first one is, what's the difference between pasteurized and mm-hmm. homogenized? Yes. Great question. So pasteurization is when you heat milk to extend the shelf life and remove any potentially harmful bacteria. Homogenization is when you... uh, So cream naturally rises to the top of milk. It's less dense than the rest of the milk. And so, you know, if you buy any Oasis milk, you have to shake it up because the cream sits on the top. It's not homogenized. To homogenize the milk means you take the cream and then the process is essentially you take the milk and force it through what is essentially a like pressure washer gun. like sprays it at a really high pressure and that breaks down the fat molecules until they stay suspended in solution uh, and then you won't have to shake your milk we think it's an huh. entirely unnecessary process that yeah. just adds more handling more cost more risk to the milk um, when you can just shake it the bottle you can just shake your milk yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh that's all I never knew that's what that meant yes oh I feel so much smarter now <laughs> well, I'm glad, <laughs> just I'm glad those you two did. things Thanks. so um, when I I am a I'm a big fan of putting away box foods because it's processed. Like you're mm-hmm. killing everything when you eat something generally out of a box, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially like prepared cereals. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know rice blends with like artificial ingredients. Yep. The same thing happens to milk when it's pasteurized. Mm-hmm. Why are people drinking pasteurized milk? Like why would you drink milk? What makes milk? Well, it has vitamin D. But what makes it... Yeah. Why would you drink milk that is pasteurized? Yes. Or I don't understand why. Pasteurization... I'm very grateful that the process of pasteurization exists. Um, lot, you know, that process was invented a century or over a century ago when milk was... We did not have the technology that we do today to keep milk trans... You know, milk it, yes. bulk it, ship it, store it. You know, in, before the age of refrigeration and reliable electricity and ability to sterilize our containers when they're empty and, you know, do these processes that we take for granted now, we can very safely handle raw milk nowadays, but we're still adhering to standards that were very rightly put in place when children were getting sick on, you know, contaminated milk that was sitting unrefrigerated or in a container that wasn't being properly sterilized. Uh, it's not necessary anymore. It is necessary to pasteurize your milk if you are a giant milk processor that is wanting to ship and store milk around the country and have a massive industrial chain. Yeah. If you are a local milk producer like us, 
where you're able to connect with your customers directly or, you know, just in the next city over, you know, we're sending milk to Baltimore, D.C. and New mm -hmm. York City. It's not exactly just, you know, right next door. Right. But we have the capabilities to, you know, we can't send raw milk to those states because of their regulations, but we most certainly technologically could. Right. Um, yeah. And you know your farmers, it sounds like. Yeah, our farm. Like you meet the cows. Oh, yeah. Farmers. Our farmers are, like, dedicated members of the Oasis um, I won't call us a cooperative. We're essentially like a marketing group for these farmers. So there's mm -hmm. five dairy farms that they supply us with all of our milk, and we buy all of their milk. Um, so they're completely committed to, you know, the Oasis vision. Okay, so I'm looking at my notes, and we only got as far as raw milk, which is cool. Yes. Um, and there's so much more to talk about, like the cultured butter and the cheeses, mm -hmm. um, but but what was your fourth question? Yes. Fourth question. This one, the first three are my essential questions. Like, is this milk even worth drinking? Yes. Then the fourth one is more of a luxury. And that is, who are these cows and what is this farm like? Is it local? Uh, are these cows what, what are known as a heritage breed of oh. cow? Or are they your, your typical uh, Holstein, which are the black and white iconic cows that produce the vast, vast majority of milk in America? But they are bred for industrial production. Holsteins produce massive quantities of milk. Wait, and the Holstein is the one that's is the, spotted? Is the spotted black and white okay. cow. And that is where we are getting the vast, vast majority of milk in America. You won't find a single one of those cows in any of the Oasis farmer uh, herds uh, because it just isn't the best milk. Mm -hmm. There are heritage breeds that are known for the richness of their cream and the yellow uh, color in their butter. And so when I, you know... People often ask for a pint of raw milk because they say, oh, I've never had raw milk. I, I ask them, well, have you ever had grass-fed organic milk from a heritage breed cow? That really is what the major difference is in what you're going to be tasting. The rawness is just, you know, it's coming right out of the cow. And so we're not heating it. It's maintaining more of those good enzymes. It's not taking on the pasteurized flavor. But the real richness of that milk is coming from the mm. fact that they're heritage breed cows outside on grass, under the sun, uh, just living a, a pretty good life as far as cows are wow. concerned. Yeah. I, I think that's so wonderful. And it's funny, I never thought about all of these things um, in terms of, like, milk drinking. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, you would think you, a glass of milk should be a simple endeavor, but yeah, <laughs> in America no. in 2016, it no. is far from... Uh, thanks to industrialization, right? Yes, yes. Um, so I wanted to ask, we need to talk about cheeses, mm -hmm. and I think we should talk about cultured butter, mm -hmm. because that was a topic that came up recently in the press. Yes. Um, but we've already talked for about 20 minutes. All right. Yeah, I can't believe it. I could, I could talk for another... Who can people talk about dairy for an hour? <laughs> I, I, I know, right? So I think what we should do, we'll, we'll connect again, okay. and we'll talk about the cheeses and cultured butter and yogurts and the other um, products that you carry that, that great. Yeah, are come back to market eating. anytime. Yeah, and yeah. now tell people how can they find you. So if you are interested in connecting with Oasis, uh, you can find us on the web at reallifefood.org. You can like us on Facebook, Oasis at Burdenhand. And if you want to buy this stuff, uh, come to our Central Market stand, which is at Lancaster Central Market in downtown Lancaster. Or you can go to our shop, uh, which is also where we produce all of this good food. And that is at 60 North Ronks Road. Uh, it's just right off of, it's, it's off of Route 30 
and 340 on Ronks Road. So it's between those two major thoroughfares. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, your thank time, you, Phoebe, John. For this your is interest. a lot of fun. Yeah, and, my yeah. pleasure. We'll definitely have to touch those topics again. Um, but guys, make sure that you ask these four questions um, of your farmers because these are really relevant and important questions um, because it reflects back on what you're eating, but it also is it creates a sense of community when you're supporting local growers and happy cows. So I think that's important. So thanks for tuning in, and you can find me at phoebespurefood.com. Um, leave us some feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, especially out here at Central Market, or in particular about um, cultured dairy products, because I would love to get answers to your questions. And you can also find my column on figlancaster.com, um, titled Phoebe Savers Lancaster Central Market Fig Style. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. Bye, everyone.